Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. So, uh, if you were with us yesterday, thank you for coming and thank you for the encouragement and thank you for the feedback. We're very, very grateful. Um, and thank you for inviting us. Um, we've been talking about the greatest things, haven't we? It's there. Hope is a great thing. Faith is a great thing. Love is a great thing. And 1 Corinthians tells us that the greatest of these three things is love. And we discovered the reason why that is, is because love creates an environment, an atmosphere, in which faith and hope can thrive and prosper. And uh, that was evident yesterday in a community of love. There was such a liberty and freedom and for faith and hope to increase. We, just, and we talked about hope uh, and defining what it is, very simply stripping away a lot of complicated things. The contrary to worldly hope where there's always a, a doubt and a fear. Biblical hope, the hope that Abraham is hope that is a confident expectation of good of the future because it's hope in God. Yes. God is the God of hope who overflows with hope. And I think it was probably recorded. You can catch it. And then out of that then, this undergirding, this great environment of hope that we have in God. Uh, we, again, stripped away a lot of the extraneous stuff to say, well, what is faith? Faith simply, as we said, is this. Faith is simply um, hearing somebody tell you something and believing what they told you. A hundred percent. So if you went here yesterday... That's what we did. <laughs> but uh, God is such a good God, and knowing that we need faith, he gives it to us. He's a God who speaks to us. And uh, therefore, we don't have faith for things and hope for things. Our faith and our hope are in a person, in God. And we saw then that uh, really it's important that we don't just have faith in the words. We have to have faith in the integrity of the one who's telling us those words. And God's track record is pretty good, isn't it? In fact, he spoke to us again this morning. Did you realize God spoke already? But uh, akin to this faith, faith is released through speaking. You got born again because you did two things. You had faith in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Anybody believe that? Fantastic. But you had to do something. Remember we said that? That you had to confess. Confess isn't owning up to something, which I did a lot of when I was a child. My brother blamed me for everything. But confess means to agree with, to say the same thing as. You hear somebody say something, you believe it, and then you agree with it. You speak it out and the power of your word. What you said was the guarantee of your salvation. Now you begin that way, but you carry on that way. And now what Diane's going to do is going to put some, a little bit of shoe leather on what we've done, and then I'll come and wrap up at the end. But she's going to take us through a story of a man who surprised Jesus with his faith. So let's welcome Diane. I've now got to try and get all my bits and pieces to work at the same time. Right. Um, good morning, family. Good morning. 
It's lovely to be with you this morning, and it's such an exciting environment to be in. As I was sitting there, it is exciting. There's so many things happening. I think the only thing you haven't squeezed in this morning is a wedding. But other than that, <laughs> everything else seems to have happened. Um, it's not over yet, that's true, actually. It's not too late. It's not too late. Do I ask for a show of hands? Or, yeah, okay. Um, but I wanted to take you through the story, a story you're very familiar with, and I guarantee you, I'm not going to tell you anything this morning that you don't know, but I hope that maybe I can just refresh a few things. But I want to take you through the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, just to have a look at the few key things from that story, and then just a few key things that can apply to us. And it's been a story that's been very much in my own heart over this last year and a little bit. And, uh, I, you know, sometimes you can read something that's so familiar. And I love it when you go to the scripture and something fresh comes out of a familiar story. Because the word of God is always alive, is always active. So let's read Matthew 8 um, together. And it's, uh, we'll start with verse 5. It says... When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion centurion came to him, asking him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and is terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you, that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdoms of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdoms of heaven will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go and it will be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that very hour. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful story. I really just love the environment that that's happening. Just knowing that in those days beforehand, Jesus was going around doing wonderful, amazing things. You know, we don't know what he was doing, but we do know he was healing people. People were getting saved. People were getting restored. All sorts of wonderful things happening. And I sort of feel that's what's been happening over this weekend. You know, people's lives are being transformed. People's eyes are being opened. You know, we've heard the testimony this morning already of people getting saved and people getting healed. And that's just, just wonderful. Now, the very first thing, um, I've got six little points about the centurion. And I, the very first thing I wanted to say was, he came to Jesus because of something he had heard that was the thing that motivated him to come to Jesus. He had heard something, and he had heard something, and he had believed what he'd heard. He'd taken it into himself. He had appropriated it for himself. 
it hadn't just gone in one ear and out the other ear. He had heard something and he had decided to act upon it. Um, he was a busy man, you know, but yet he had taken the time. I've heard that this Jesus can do something and I'm going to act upon it. The second thing he did, he actually asked Jesus for help. He's told him, my servant isn't well, I need you to help him. He humbled himself and yet, you know, when we read on a little bit later, he was a very important man. He could have just come in and said, Jesus, heal my servant, but he didn't. He came and said, <clears throat> he came and said Jesus, my servant is sick, I need your help. The third thing was, when we read about Jesus, Jesus' response was absolutely immediate. He didn't say, let me think about it, let me go away, I'm really, really busy. He said, I will go immediately. Jesus, in that moment, despite all the crowds, despite all we, he was doing, he said, I will go immediately. And then the next thing is for the centurion, I am whizzing through this, so don't worry. I'll get to the points that we need to think about. Jesus said, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. And he started to tell him, I'm a man under authority. I say this when this one does it. I say to that one, do this, and he does it. The centurion understood the power of words because he was a man who commanded. He was a man who did. He understood what he was talking about. And then we get to that amazing bit in verse 10 when it said Jesus was astonished. I love the fact that all the things that Jesus had been doing, suddenly a man comes along and he astonishes Jesus. He astonishes Jesus just because he believed him. He didn't, he didn't astonish him for any other reason other than that he believed exactly what he was saying. And the last thing then is that Jesus healed, the servant was healed, and Jesus said he was healed because of the faith of the centurion. And when I look at this story, I think it's just such a simple story. It's a simple story of a man hearing what Jesus can do, a man believing what Jesus can do, a man asking Jesus to do something, and the servant gets healed. You know, sometimes we can make faith so very complicated, but it's ever so simple. It's, we hear what God can do, we ask him what he can do, and he does it. So there are just six little things for us, and these have been six little things for me. And the first one was the importance of what we hear. Do you know, what we hear creates an expectation in us. What we hear, I think Roger said yesterday as well when he, he was talking about faith comes by hearing. So we need to be in an environment where we hear and where we hear faith and we believe what we hear. The second bit about it as well is it's important how we hear. It's very easy to sit in a meeting like this and especially with such a familiar scripture and just think, I know that story. And yet sometimes God just wants to open something up to you and you. He just wants to open something up to you afresh. 
I know for me, I, I like to read a psalm in the morning before I go to work or before I start. I'm not going to work at the minute, before I'm starting work. I sort of, I'm working at home, so I literally go from one room to the next, so I'm not going very far. But when I read the scripture in the morning, I like to think, Lord, what is the little nugget in this psalm for me today? And you know, sometimes it jumps out at me, and other times I have to read it, and I have to read it, and I have to read it, and I have to read it. And I sometimes think familiar stories are like that. You know, you know the story, you know the beginning, you know the end, you know the middle bits, but just to find something fresh in it. And I think when the word of God comes, it comes to water you, it comes to bring you life, it, com- it comes to make it fresh. Um, the other bit as well about hearing is sometimes we have to actively choose to believe what we hear. You know, our natural circumstances might be against what's coming. Um, and I certainly know in this last year, Roger and I have had some challenges, whether it's health, whether it's been personal, whether it's been work, whatever it's come. And it isn't, it's against the natural will of God. But sometimes we've had to say, this is what the word of God says. This is what we're going to stand. This is what we're going to believe. This is what the outcome is. And when something comes, sometimes we've had to go, we've gone to the word and just said, this is what the word of God says. This is what I'm going to believe. So in hearing, sometimes you've got to actively say, this is exactly what I'm going to believe. Um, Another important aspect of this was to keep on asking. Do you know there is nothing we cannot go to Jesus and ask for? There is nothing that we cannot come to him and say, Lord, help me with. There is nothing too big. There is nothing too small. We can ask for every single one of the things that we want. Um, A very important aspect as well as what we say. You know, I know we talk a lot about faith comes by hearing, but I, I certainly think in this last couple of years, Roger and I have become very, very aware of the words that we say to each other and the words that we hear each other say. And I'm always conscious that whenever I speak, the very first person that hears what I say is me. So it's important what I say and the way I say it It's important what I say to, not just to myself, not just to my husband, to other people. And I think one of the things that's been a really encouraging thing in the last year has been the testimony of other people. You know, when you hear a testimony and hear what God can do, um, it touches your heart. And I, you know, I know with Mike and Lauren, we've all stood with them for a very long time Uh, you know, just praying that they would have a baby. And I remember Roger, uh, I can't, I think he might have been on the phone with David, I'm not quite sure. Oh, Mike told you himself, okay. I remember Roger telling me that he'd had this conversation and that Mike and Lauren were having a baby. And, And I just was so grateful to God that I cried because the goodness of God to this wonderful couple. And I just thought, you know, in that moment, I thought, you know, God couldn't do it for them. And immediately there were other people that came to mind. And I just thought, do you know what? God can do it for them too. So we have got to be a people, not just a hearing people, but a speaking people. You know, our language is a language of faith. Our language is a language of hope. Our language is a language of encouragement. 
And it doesn't mean that we're not real. It doesn't mean that we can't say, I'm afraid, or it doesn't mean we can't say, I need help. But in all of our conversation, it's a conversation with that expectation that God can actually do something. Yeah. Um, My, I've only got two more little points, but one of them, is, my last but one one is, in the midst of a crisis, sometimes we have to, not sometimes, we always have to take that conscious decision to believe that God is for us, to believe God's word, to believe what, he, what he's heard, believe what we've heard, believe what he said, and um, those of you that were here yesterday, um, I just gave a very quick testimony of whenever we were in lockdown, and God had refreshed in us um, Psalm 37, which was, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. And uh, that was a scripture that came to us 39 years ago, and it was as real to us in the lockdown as it was 39 years ago. And even this morning... We had a kindness from somebody this morning that brought that word fresh back again this morning. And I love that, that, you know, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of whatever situation we're in, we can find the word of God true. We can find the word of God sustaining. We can find the word of God helpful. And my last one is just to say, do you know what? Faith is a wonderful journey. It is a wonderful path. It is a wonderful way of life. Faith is our natural habitat. You know, when we walk with Jesus, we walk in that walk of faith. It's, just, it's not an add-on. I'm really conscious with my mobile phone. Every now and again, the O2 send me a message about a bolt-on or an add-on. And do you know what? I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> but all I know for me is faith and hope it's not an add-on. It's something I completely understand. It's something I have right from the very beginning. You know, there are times when we may need to exercise faith in a greater dimension than others. And I don't know if you're like us, but sometimes you think, do you know, I've got it now. I understand it. I'm ready. I'm okay. And then you're walking along and something happens and you go, oh no, I haven't got it completely. And God just stretches us he expands our boundaries. He expands our tent pegs for the next season in life. Faith isn't just for a Sunday morning. Um, and, and it was lovely to hear about them, uh, the, the lovely people from Norway playing, praying for somebody that was helping on the, the stalls yesterday. Somebody who'd come out, come in to be part of this, and he got healed. Um, it's not just for a Sunday morning, it's for our everyday life. And I'm glad it's not just for a Sunday morning because most of us have spent the last two years not being able to meet together on a Sunday morning. But I'm just my last thing before Roger comes is, let our confession, let the words of our mouth, let the words of our lips be overflowing with hope and with faith. Let, let us be a people I'd love it if Jesus was to say, Diane, you amaze me with your faith. And I'm sure people, every one of us would say, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if Jesus would just say to us, you amaze me with your faith. And do you know what? I actually think he does. I actually think he says, well done, family. 
Well done, family of Living Rock. Well done, people of God. I'm amazed at what you're doing. I'm amazed at what you're stepping out into. So Roger's going to come and unpack a little bit more. Um, But I just hope in what I've shared in a very ordinary story that you're able to just to take away just a couple of simple things in that, you know, if you hear and believe God and ask him and believe in him and put your trust in him, he will do every single thing that he has promised without fail. Amen. Thank you, Pat. Did you notice in the story, and Diane brought it out, that the power of words, that Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, I'll come in person. And uh, he was on his way, that was his intention. But the centurion said, you don't need to. You just need to say something. Because the power of your word can heal my servant who's not here. That's why he astonished Jesus. Because he understood how Jesus worked. And as it, when Diane was sharing and as I was reading that story, I thought, Lord, I really want to be a man who astonishes you. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot, but it's not like, well, it takes a lot to impress me. I've been around a long time. But he says, do you know, wow. He takes pleasure in our faith. Because there's a power in our words. We, we, we're just going to home in on a couple of things. And then I, I want to bring something that I believe the Lord has for you for your future. Faith is all to do with words. It's all to do with hearing words. It's all to do with believing words. That's what the centurion, he'd heard someone had told him stories about this man, Jesus. He said, he can heal the sick, he can raise the dead, he can do miracles. And he said, I believe him, I believe him, I believe him, I believe him. But he had a situation which he had to actualize. That was the word we learned yesterday. He had to actualize it and he had to come to Jesus and say, and be bold and say, I believe what I've heard about you. And I'm putting my faith on the line because I'm saying, come and heal my servant. That's a big act of faith. He didn't say, well, maybe I'm not important enough. As Jayan said, he could have commanded Jesus to come with him. He said, I'm a centurion, you're coming with me. But he didn't do that. He acknowledged, you have the power, the creative power in your words. And I believe what you say. That's why Proverbs 18:20 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's amazing. Jesus said in Matthew 12, that out of the abundance of our hearts, what we're believing and putting in our hearts, it comes out. When you're sitting at the traffic lights or chasing David and Deborah down the country roads this morning, and they, I was going to say they jump a red light, he would never do that. She might, but he wouldn't. <laughs> but when you come to a red light, you know, in, some of the, in the city where we live, sometimes, you know, a red light, and then someone goes past you and you kind of think, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Or you're putting up a picture and you bang it, you bang your nail, your nail instead of the nail, 
with a hammer, I think, what comes out? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Mm, get Richard Pemberton quick. <laughs> because our words have the power of life and death. Speaking faith. Faith is actualized by speaking. Let me give you a couple of things. Um, there's many things, but just in conversations and listening to people, I want to give you a, a, a three quick things that you can do this week. And uh, the first one is speak to yourself. Would you turn to Psalm 42, please? Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are in the original text, a two, uh, one psalm. Psalm 42 and 43. And I, I love the, the fact that the Word of God um, takes into account our life in all its, in all its varied shades. And if you read um, Psalm 42 and 43, we won't read them for time's sake. Uh, um, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you think, what a wonderful start. The fact is, though, that this man is depressed. He's in big trouble. You think, well, Christians don't do that. Jesus said, you will have trouble. <laughs> Deal with that word. But I've overcome the world. But here's a man who is pouring out his heart to God. Because whatever's happened in his life, he's not where he used to be. And he's depressed. He's downcast. His friends are telling him. He's hearing words. His friends are telling him, where's your God? Life's over for you. And he says this. You think he's giving into it. And then he says this in um, verse 5. Soul... Why are you so depressed? Why the turmoil within you? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him. Who's he talking to? Himself. There's a power in speaking to yourself. Now, if you read the psalm through, you'll find he just doesn't do it once. He does it three times. Because he's learning there's a habit in my life now that I have to adopt. When I'm facing difficulties, when I'm facing trials, do you know what I have to do? Phil, I have to give myself a good talking to. <laughs> Roger, you're not going to die of this sickness. Roger, your future is good. Roger, it's going to get better. No matter what the voices come, Roger... Your life is not over yet. Roger, you're approaching 70, but the best is yet to come. That's what I'm telling myself right now. Roger, the knees might be aching a little bit, but you can still run. <laughs> you think, that's stupid. No, there's a power, friends, when you speak to yourselves. And you're going to have to do that a lot more. Because in the glory days that you're in, you're going to have great challenges. We were talking last night over dinner of things that have been said about us, which are lies. But you have, don't make room. Say, Seth, the best is yet to come. My children will walk with the Lord. We will have everything we need. We will always have food for our table. Righteous are never forsaken. The children never break bread. Don't worry, there'll be bread on the table. There'll be eggs in the fridge. Your baby will not eat you. <laughs> Speak to yourself. 
This week, the opportunity, well, some of you will need to go aside and open your mouth and speak to yourself. And it'll be weird because you've never done it before. But the Holy Spirit will stir you in saying, you don't need to pray right now. You need to speak to yourself. What do I say? What have I told you, the Lord says. You tell yourself what I've told you. You tell yourself truth from this scripture. You tell yourself what I told you at the conference. You tell, you tell yourself what you've heard that's true about yourself. You're going to have opportunity in the next few days to do that. And some of you will do that today. Second thing. Good, isn't it good? Would you turn to Matthew 17, please? These are just some practical things. But I know as you put them into practice, they're, going to, they're just going to have a great impact. This is a big day. And that's not big talk. It is a big moment in your life. I really believe this is a big moment in the history of living rock and Lutterworth and around and therefore Cardiff and the kingdom. But we're not sending you any more people. <laughs> I can't say that, can I? Okay. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Matthew 17. This is the second thing. There's times not just to talk to yourself, but there's a time to talk to a mountain. People were trying, these disciples were trying to cast out a demon, they couldn't. And that's the story, but the context of this. He said, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said simply, because of, because of the poor quality of your faith. That's what he's saying. Not the amount of faith. He says the poor quality of your faith. He said, because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you just have genuine faith, it's not like, how much much faith do I need? How much volume of faith do I need? He says, you don't need a volume of faith. Ellie, you just need genuine faith. Tiny. He said, you can say to a mountain, be gone. You think, well, I can't move a mountain. I'm not... Limiting the scriptures. In my own life, I'm thinking, what are the mountains? Do you know a mountain in my life has been something that wasn't a mountain? It was just a little lump, a little bump. And I pray, and nothing would happen. Pray about it, nothing would happen. But that little lump, that little bump, became bigger and bigger and bigger. Until it became an immovable object that said, Sharon, I ain't moving. What you going to do about it, little believer? And I thought, oh, it's a mountain. Jesus said, there's times in your life when you just say, with little faith, be gone. By your word, you can do that. I remember a lady when we were ministering on this, a lady who came to a conference and had cancer. Remember this? In the States. She, you'll tell me if I'm wrong now. She came with a cancer. She didn't tell anybody, did she? Nope. And she came to the conference just before she was going into hospital, have a surgery on her cancer. And we were ministering on this and the faith. And I said, no, if we'd had time in the conference, we could have done this, but you can do this. I said, if you have a mountain that you need to speak to, 
just go and find a space in the room. And she went off and she spoke to the mountain of her cancer. We didn't know anything that was going on. She was a very calm lady. We heard two days later that she went for the operation. The cancer had completely disappeared. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody prayed for her. It was a mountain. She spoke her own word. Do you realize you have the same power in your voice? If you believe in your heart what God has told you, you have the power in your voice of life and death. I can't take any credit for it. By her own word, she said, mountain cancer be gone. Some of you will face, not, not cancers, but you'll face mountains. You're thinking something, see, I've been praying about that for a long time and it won't go. Can I say this with great respect? It's time to stop, stop praying and start speaking. Third one, in Matthew chapter 18. We're doing these very quickly. Is that okay? But you can follow through on them. Just think about them. Just, oh, I'm going to start doing that. It'll sound weird, but start doing it. Matthew 18, Jesus said this. This is a powerful thing. He said, uh, verse 19, actually. I assure you, he says, at Matthew 18, 19. If two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there among them. That's not an excuse for small churches. Well, there's only you and me and the cat. (laughs) And I'm not sure about you. No. Jesus is telling us that there's a corporate power of speaking. It's not just me. And you are a corporate people. And the way that you speak to each other now is going to have an increased power. You see, when I hear you speak, when Muriel and I were talking this morning, Muriel said something to me, I thought, that stirred a faith in me. Because she said something true about God, about what God had said to her. And I said, then I'm agreeing with you. And do you know what? Because we've agreed on earth, it will be done. How can you say that? Because the Bible tells me. It's not like, you know, I really want a new Maserati. Anybody believing me for a Maserati? Agreeing with me for a Maserati? I don't need a Maserati. I don't want a Maserati. I don't even know what a Maserati is. I'm not talking about that. But there are things, just impractical things. Whenever I hear, this is going to make you more vocal, because you are noisy. Whenever I hear somebody say something that is true, do you know what I do? Amen. Amen is not, please finish the sermon. (laughs) Amen is one of the most powerful words in the scripture. Amen means done. Agreed. That's it. That's why when Jesus in our Bible says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, he's actually saying, amen, amen. You can take this one to the bank. Believe it, because I'm saying it. I'm agreeing with myself. And there's a power when someone says something to me that's true. 
And I give my amen, the truth of what they're saying. I'm believing what God is saying through them. And it's coming to me. And I say amen. And the truth of what they're saying becomes mine. And because of the energy, it becomes yours. So my brother, let's, let's, let's show this. Would you begin to say things to me that are true, true of God, true of us, true of this church? Just begin to say to me. Totally faithful. Amen. You can totally rely on him That's and trust right. him. He loves you. That's He's true. He's for you. That's wonderful. He wants you to know him. Tell me more. He wants more. you to grow in a relationship with Thank him. Thank you, Lord. He's given you the person of the Holy Spirit wow. to dwell in you and empower you. What? For you to overflow Fantastic. with life and love. I love it. He wants to fill you with joy and Hallelujah. peace. Hallelujah. He's got a future for Great you that's amazing. God. He's going to give you a resurrection Thank body you, in eternity. <laughs> Did you get that? Do it again. Oh, come on. Are you serious? You need to line me up for this next one. God is for you. He loves you. He wants to fill you with joy and peace. He's present with you, Roger, and he really cares about you intimately and closely. He's devoted to you. He's interested in you. He wants you to know him. This is tough work, Roger. What did you just say? This is tough work. Did you notice the difference? I believed everything he said. It was hard, wasn't it? I didn't get any of it. Why? Because I didn't respond in my agreement. And it's not like, can I get an amen on this? Give me an amen. I'm not into that. Sometimes people say, can I get an amen? I say, not right now. I'm, I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> but true, when I give you my amen, I agree with that. Or good call. Or whatever. There's a power that when somebody says to me, and in fact, you demonstrate, because while I was quiet, you weren't. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> you see, I could say something. The best days of this church are ahead of you. Amen. I'm going to say something else now. Don't kill me. <laughs> this church will decline by this time next year. Why didn't you disagree with me? Because there's a power in disagreement. Equal power. You say, no, that's not true. I'll say it again. This church will decline over the next year. Because you believed me the first time, but you didn't say. There's a power of agreement and a power of disagreement. I'm just going to scatter those out to you and we'll work on those. Is that okay? Just as we're coming to an end, um, we were going to share this yesterday. Do you want to join me at all? Are you going to leave this to me? Or what are you going to do? Go ahead. I have, I have my wife's permission. Uh, and just listening to what's going on this morning, would you turn to Genesis 22, please, and James chapter 1? I'm very excited for you. And for us, because we're part of you. And, and this is something that I am discovering in life more and more. And as I said yesterday, spending time in the life of Abraham. And you know this story. Abraham and, Isaac, Abraham and Sarah, when Isaac was born, they'd waited 25 years. He was 100 by the time Isaac was born. And, 
uh, Sarah was 90. That's a, that's a pretty big achievement, isn't it? It's a big thing. Here's an old couple. But they have a son. Why? Because God had told them. And God had changed his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations. So before Isaac was born, they'd say, what's your name? I'm the father of many nations. Why? God told me. God told me. And he became the father of Isaac. And you think, that's a pretty cool, that's a pinnacle of life. You've achieved something amazing. But then it says this in Genesis 22. After these things, and we're not sure the time scale, Isaac may be a little boy or a teenager. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to Ab- Abraham, he said, here I am. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. So early in the morning, Abraham got up, and the story tells you how he went on. And you'll see his confession of faith. In verse 5, he tells the men who were with him, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we will come back to you. I won't bring him in a box of ashes. He'll come back alive. But I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to burn him, because God has told me to, but he will be coming back alive. That's a story. By this time, Abraham's not arguing with God anymore. <laughs> he's doing what he's told. Do you know, as I read that story, I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm 70 this year, but uh, Abraham was 75 when God first got hold of him. And I'm thinking, Lord, that's a big thing he did in his life. Why didn't you just let him enjoy the rest of his life in peace? You think, why didn't you just let him enjoy the rest of his life? He's done, he's done a big thing for you. Just let, him, just let him enjoy his life. Let him put his feet up on the veranda and take it easy. You ever done that? Look at James chapter 1, please. This is, I believe, what the Lord is taking you on now, these next steps for you. Corporately and individually. James 1, chapter, two, James chapter 1, verse 2. James says this, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. It's producing perseverance. And perseverance has to do its complete work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete. Perseverance and faith produces something. It produces a mature people. It produces character. It produces completeness. Now that word testing isn't a a testing of a pass or fail exam. God is not testing you to see if you have faith or whether you're going to pass or fail. You, You pass. The word there means to prove like you do when you're making bread. 
you're proving something. Why? You put, the, you put the yeast in it, in the dough, and you prove it. You prove it. You leave it alone. Why? So it will get bigger. It'll grow and increase. It'll grow and increase. Because if you stick that bread in the oven before it's proved, it ain't going to produce anything. And the same thing is, is with you right now. God is proving you. Not to prove if you have faith. He's proving you will. To increase your faith. Because he hasn't finished with you yet. And when I read Abraham's story, I see this. Abraham lived another 75 years after Isaac was born. And God said to him, Isaac's birth is not the pinnacle of your life. It's fantastic, but I've got something greater for you. You're going to do something greater. And for me... um, of these last years, I'm realizing there's no time for coasting or declining. And I'm not talking to people who are in their 60s and their 70s. This applies if you're 18 or 20. You can switch off when you're 15 and die when you're 90. It's not to sit back and tell my story. I was there at Momentum. Do you remember that? I've done my bit. Now it's open for the new generation. No. We go from faith to faith. And I want to just encourage you, my friends, in everything that God has said to you today and what he's saying to you, he's taking you to another level. Another level. You've come a long way. Well done. But the faith we're talking about is not just for your personal growth. It is for your personal growth. But God is taking you as a community of people to another level of faith, of maturity. Why? Because he hasn't finished with you yet. In your own personal life, he hasn't finished with you yet. But he has much more. And that is because he has the plan. And that plan, as Psalm 106 verse 13 says... Israel soon forgot God because they didn't wait for his plan to unfold. God is unfolding a plan, and this is not the end of it. This is the latest stage in it. But God is saying, are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Are you hearing what I'm telling you as an individual? Are you believing what I'm saying? Are you speaking out what I'm saying? Are you doing what I'm saying? Because the words I've spoken to you in the past, as Eddie brought this morning, they're still working. They're still good. And I want to encourage you today. Don't coast. Don't sit back. Don't sweat. But just say, Lord, so far, so good. Diane and I were asked to speak at a conference some time ago, and they said, why are you so successful? <laughs> I thought, you got the wrong people. <laughs> but they said, you've been, you've been around a long time, thank you. <laughs> well, me longer than you, I know that. It's, a, it's my turn. <laughs> and uh, we sat down, and they were serious. They said, well, give us the, the ingredients. And we sat down, and we thought, oh, yeah, know. <laughs> and then... Diane said, I, I know why. 
I, don't, I know why. We, we are where we are. And you said to me, We just keep saying yes. We just keep saying yes. I thought, profound, profound. And we went to the group and we said, and they said, fantastic. Now the yes hasn't always been easy. Sometimes it has been easy. You throw out a challenge this morning. Some of you will say yes to it. Because the Lord is asking you. Will you say yes? <laughs> Every step is this. I can, Lauren. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sometimes it's easy. Would you like to join Living Rock Church? Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> Are you prepared to go somewhere else now to work with this community? Count the cost. Yes, Lord, I am willing to go. That's all I need to know. You don't need to go, but thank you for asking. <laughs> but for some of you, there are things now over this next season because you're enlarging. Abraham is your father in the faith. The biggest moment of his life was not the birth of Isaac. He had bigger fish to fry. Ethan, would you just come, my friend? Thank you. Let's just come before the Lord. Thank you ever so much for listening. Thank you ever so much for asking us to come. We love you and we'll take your greetings home. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.